Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you treat everything as a learning experience. I am so excited to share this conversation with you all because my guest is doing some amazing work in reproductive rights and sexual health care. On June 24th, 2022, the Supreme Court of the United States overturned the decision made in the Roe v. Wade case from 1973 that originally established a constitutional right to abortion in the U.S. Following the decision, many states took immediate action to restrict abortion rights, thereby severely restricting or banning the important reproductive right to terminate a pregnancy. So, I am very happy to introduce you to Arna Dixit, who is an advocate focusing on sexual violence prevention, reproductive rights, and other sexual health issues. I recorded this episode a while back, so I didn't get the chance to talk with Arna about the Roe v. Wade ruling, but I wanted to feature her on the show to amplify the voice of someone who is doing great work in sexual health advocacy, especially now after the Supreme Court's direct challenge to reproductive rights for women. So, without further ado... Let's get started with this episode featuring Arna Dixit. Um, so a bit of like my personal life is that I lived in India for like the first 14 years of my life. And then I moved to the U.S. halfway through my freshman year of high school. Um, and then when it comes to like advocacy and activism, I like my main, I guess, like uh, focus or my main passion is like sexual violence advocacy and like more like, you know, the stuff surrounding sexual health, healthy relationships and reproductive justice. Um, and how that all kind of started was through sexual violence advocacy. Um, it sounds cheesy, but it was really because of this book I read when I was like in the eighth grade. It was like Bear Town by Frederick Backman. And it's like this book about like a rape in a small town. And that was like kind of like my first introduction into rape culture. You know, I was just like still in the eighth grade. So I hadn't learned much about it, especially in India, where they don't talk much about those things at all. And so that was kind of my first introduction. And then I kind of like started learning more about the topic out of like my own uh, volition. Um, And soon I was kind of like passionate about it. And then when I moved to the U.S. to my high school in Portland, Oregon, I noticed that we didn't have like any sexual violence advocacy clubs. There was just not not even any feminist clubs or anything of that sort. Um, And so I took it upon myself to start a club at my high school because I thought that was just something important to do because I feel like especially at the high school level and at that like formative age, advocacy surrounding sexual violence and healthy relationships is so very crucial And I also joined like the Planned Parenthood Teen Council because they like would teach about sex and healthy relationships in classrooms. And a big part of like my advocacy surrounding sexual violence was consent education. And that's why I joined the Teen Council. Like that was the reason I joined it. But like one, I did Planned Parenthood Teen Council for like three years. So it was a long time. And across those three years, my interest in like the realm of advocacy grew. Like I became super passionate about reproductive justice and just like sex ed, like, you know, representation of LGBTQ and queer queer sexuality and just all of those topics, like female sexual empowerment and just like understanding our sexualities. Like I got super interested in that. So now um, I run a podcast of my own called Dirty Talk, which is like, 
you know, about everything sex and sexuality and just talking about topics surrounding that. Um, and I'm, I'm not doing anything currently surrounding sexual violence advocacy myself. Like I just graduated high school. I start at NYU um, and I will definitely do sexual violence advocacy, like probably like a club or organization or an internship. But as of right now, my, like my own initiative is definitely my podcast where of course a lot of sexual violence advocacy happens because, you know, that's, it's like connected to sex and sexuality. Um, and yeah, that's like one of my main passions. And I'm super into like political activism as well. Like that's the realm I want to go into. I'll be studying like politics, rights and development at NYU. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So I read Beartown 2 with my entire family and I had a very similar reaction as it was kind of my first time reading about sexual violence and rape. So I'll definitely remember that it always had a really big impact on the way that I look at those issues as well. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned it because everyone should read it. Uh, I think everyone takes something different away from the book. So yeah, I definitely recommend it. I want to zoom in a little bit and ask you to explain more about the podcast. Can you tell me some about the background of the podcast and what that project looks like now? I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I obviously, you know, um, I did plan parenthood team council up until my senior year. So I was like involved in like the sex ed world until then. And then I was planning on going to college in France um, and so around that time, I was just kind of thinking about, like, how can I still be connected to, like, sex ed and, like, you know, advocating for healthy sexuality. And after doing some research, I realized that there wasn't many, like, strong avenues in France. Just, like, you know, like, um, I'd either have to be, like, super fluent in French to, like, start a club or start a movement in France. And so I was, like, maybe it's something like a podcast that's, like, online that can be global, but also it's just, like, in my control um, and so I guess that was really the way I started thinking about that. Obviously, I ended up choosing to go to NYU, but it was very easy to kind of form the podcast because all I needed to do was reach out to my friends who had already done Planned Parenthood Teen Council and ask some of them to be like, would you like to, you know, host a podcast with me? Um, and so my two co-hosts, Sophia and Vivian, are also part of the Planned Parenthood Teen Council. Um, and so yeah, that's how kind of how I started it. And even though I decided to go to NYU, I feel like, the podcast was definitely the right decision to make because it was something that I could, you know, do on my own terms. Because even with Planned Parenthood Teen Council, since we were representing Planned Parenthood, there were like some things we couldn't talk about in the classroom. We had to be diplomatic. And so I think like the podcast gave me free will to just kind of like talk about all these issues that I feel like we don't talk about as a society. And so that was definitely one of the main reasons I wanted to do it. Um, and just like, you know, I've always liked talking about the stuff I'm passionate about. Um, and it just made sense because I felt like a podcast is a great way to educate people who don't have other resources available to them just across the world. Like a big part of my thinking was thinking about like my friends in India who still have not received any sex education or like, you know, other young people in India. Because growing up, I received no sex education in India. I had no, not a healthy view of my own sexuality. So I was definitely thinking about stuff like that. Um, and I will say like doing this podcast has definitely been the most fulfilling work of activism I've done because it's something that like I'm creating and I feel like I can truly impact change with that. Like even though I've done a bunch of other stuff, you know, the podcast really energizes me. Like it's like never stressed me out. Like every time I'm recording an episode, it like genuinely energizes me and makes me happy to talk about these issues. So I'm definitely glad that I did it. 
I love that idea of having a podcast to stay connected with people from other countries and to educate people if they may not have other resources. I think that's such a great way. So thank you so much for for talking about that. And as you're talking about your activism and how the podcast contributes to your work, how do you approach or how do you deal with the stigma around talking about sexual health? There's definitely kind of a taboo around sexual health, reproductive rights, kind of anything in that realm. So how have you dealt with that through your activism? Have you seen that as a challenge? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been like many obstacles I've faced. Um, back when I started the club at my high school, it was called Students Against Sexual Oppression. Um, I actually wanted it to be like a nationwide organization. I wanted to like make an organization of like high school club chapters across the nation. Like that was my, you know, ambitious view for it. Um, but it definitely didn't turn out like that. Like even at my school, the maximum amount of active number members we had at any time was maybe 15 if we were lucky. So it was definitely hard to rally people around that topic because it's one thing for people to be like, yeah, I'll post something on my story, you know, about believing survivors, but no, I'm not going to attend club meetings and put an effort into this movement, you know? So that was definitely hard to do. And this was also like when I started the club, it was our like my sophomore year. So it was like 2018. So like youth activism as it applied to like March for Our Lives or George Floyd protests hadn't taken off yet, you know? So a lot of like my age youth weren't, exactly into activism back then um and especially like my general high school it was like definitely stressful because like I'd see people who I thought were like in intersectional feminists who were interested in these topics and be like oh you should come to a club meeting and they'd like say yes but then they'd never come and it was just like a you know this whole thing of like how do I mobilize people and it was definitely very hard because I think that as like a woman of color who moved to the United States like and then a year later started this club, like barely a year later, maybe like six months later, I feel like I kind of like made a brand for myself as like the, you know, like the liberal feminist, which I am, I will proudly accept that. But like, you know, that also kind of like comes with it's like, whatever stigma and kind of like stereotyping in a high school, you know, and so there was definitely like a lot of, I feel like conflict. I faced maybe from my peers, especially like my peers who identified as like males and stuff like that. And so it was definitely like a tricky time for me to kind of, um, you know, be really believing in my beliefs. I remember that like there were times when I'd like post stuff on my Instagram story and then I'd see like my follower account go down and I'd be like, oh, is it annoying for me to be like political? Um, and like, you know, talking about these issues all the time. But then I realized that like, this is my life as a woman of color, as a young woman of color, it's like talking about politics is my way of surviving and ensuring that future generations of people like me are able to survive in our society. And if anyone finds talking about politics or social justice issues annoying, it's because they have the privilege to overlook them and continue with their lives. But yeah, it was definitely hard for some time to kind of just like come in terms and be like, it's okay if this is like something I'm passionate about and not let other people's opinions like interfere with me. Like, you know, just like there were often times when the, there were friends, you know, who would like tell me like there were friendships of mine that were lost because people would be like, you're way too political. You always make everything about politics and social justice. Like it's not fun being friends with you. But the truth is I don't, you know, like I feel like that's the thing. It's like, there are just some things that are always going to be political and social justice, but I feel like we've gotten a bad rep for like making things political. They already are, 
that's the state of our world and our society. And the more we ignore these issues, the worse they're going to get. But I've definitely come to terms with myself as like an activist. Um, and yeah, and even with like the sex ed podcast, I feel like sometimes when I post stuff about it on social media or put it out there, there's definitely that, stig- that slight stigma I feel myself of being like, what are people going to think of me as a person if I'm posting about like sex work and vibrators and dildos, you know, like I don't want them to think I'm like some like, you know, you get what I mean. So it's definitely like a tricky balance. But I think the most important thing is like believing in myself and bringing myself back to why I'm doing this work. The reason I'm doing this work is because society has stigmatized these issues for so long. Um, and I want to ensure that I myself don't fall prey to that stigmatization. So even when I have that thought of like, oh, people are going to think I'm like this weirdo if I'm like posting about sex and sex ed, I have to remind myself, yes, they very well might because that's how society has conditioned us. But it's like my duty to be brave and post that. So if even two minds are destigmatized after looking at the stuff I'm doing, then that's a win. Um, and that is the person I am. And so I feel like there, it's just been a lot of like self-acceptance and also realizing that if I want to be a beacon of change and if I want to really lead a movement, I kind of have to stop caring about what others think about me and just focus on what's important to me and my mission. I think that's such an important realization to have, especially when you're doing this work and with social media and sharing on social media, because I think a lot of people do feel worried about what people will think. And I'm so glad that you shared that. And so I would also love to know your thoughts about how our generation, just as you're talking about social media, may change or may be different when it comes to talking about sexual health. Do you think Gen Z is starting to destigmatize those topics and make a positive change? Or do you think it might take longer for people to be comfortable addressing those topics? I definitely see a positive change happening. I think that when it comes to social media, it's kind of like a double-edged sword and like there's like two sides to it one side it makes it easier to talk about things like I feel like even the TikToks where people are talking about their sexual experiences they're sexually empowering like make it okay for people to talk about stuff like that so I definitely think there's more acceptance but then there's the other side where sometimes I feel like people think that it's just enough to post something on social media and their duty is done because I feel like social media can often act as like a cop-out like you know when the whole Black Lives Matter thing was happening people were like oh I'll just post a black swear I've done my deed I'm good but I think it's also important to recognize that yes social media can help a lot with change but you also need to be doing stuff like outside of it you know so I definitely think social media makes conversations easy um, but we need to see those impacts of like those conversations in our real life as well so yes it's nice that you know there's podcasts and there's like uh, people on social media talking about sex and sexuality but it would be great to see that translated into the real world and see people getting the proper sex education that they deserve and see people you know like having healthy views of sexuality um but I definitely do think for my, as my, you know, as in my own experience, I think social media can be a great tool as long as you like carry the values that you uphold on social media into your daily life and put in a little bit extra effort here and there. But I definitely think that social media has created more awareness around such issues and has made it easier to converse about such things. Um, and I think like with our generation, definitely more change is coming, especially when it comes to sex and sexuality and topics like that. 
Um, I have seen with my own eyes more change coming. I've seen like people talk about sex and sexuality in a more positive light than I had like five years ago. So I definitely think that it's very uplifting and empowering to see that change. Yeah, and I think you made a great point about how social media has aided those conversations and made them easier and more accessible. But I also agree that it's just it's it's not enough to just post on social media and call it a day. You know, you need to follow up those conversations and posts and turn them into tangible action in real life. So I completely agree with that. Along those lines, lots of young people, particularly college students, high school students, want to create change, and they want to make a difference, but they may not know how to get started. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? Yeah, I would say that, like, do it. You know, I feel like that's my main thing. Like, I did SASO, Students Against Sexual Oppression, and nothing came out of it, but I still learned so much, you know, and I learned a lot about being an advocate, about mobilizing people. And sure, Sasa never became like a nationwide thing, but it was like my platform. And then I started off and like, you know, now I'm here, I'm starting my own podcast. um, And like, I'm receiving like recognition for the work I'm doing. So it's, you know, like it sounds cheesy, but yeah, you're, you have to start from somewhere. So whatever you have, whatever platform you have, do it, you know, maybe you start off by starting like an Instagram activism page. Maybe you start off talking on TikTok about issues that you're passionate about. Maybe you get together a few friends and you start a blog post or podcast. But my main advice is, is is just do it. If nothing else, then you'll learn more about the issues you're passionate about and more about yourself as an advocate and treat everything as a learning experience because everything is a learning experience. Even if it does not reach the level of success you want it to, you will learn from it and then your next venture will be more successful. Um, And so I think that's my main thing. And I would definitely say like, just believe in yourself. Um, And there are resources out there. You know, if you're someone who doesn't want to start like an activism thing by themselves, look towards like, organizations you can work with there's the Panperton Teen Council it's a national thing look for one in your area there's so many other organizations that you can work with and volunteer with that can be like a starting platform for you um, and I think a lot of youth don't realize how much impact they can have but there's so many resources out there you know there's like advocates for youth there's the ACLU you can do a lot and just you know being if just start small, be involved at your school, join, join a club, start a club, you know, even if you just want to start a club at your school or college for people to come together and have conversations on these issues, that's a big step itself, just having those conversations. So I think my main advice is just like, do it, you know, there's no harm in doing it, even if it does not become as successful as you want it to, you will learn a lot and you will grow as an advocate. And that's like my main advice. I learned a lot from this conversation with Arna and think her energy and passion for her work really came through. I was really inspired talking with Arna and agreed with a lot of the points she brought up, especially about social media, breaking down stigmas, and really liked the point that Arna brought up about the importance of treating everything as a learning experience. Right now, people across the U.S. and across the world are shocked and frustrated by the Supreme Court's recent decisions, particularly about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But I also think that so many people are using this moment as a chance to educate and learn about the court, the government, and these issues that directly affect them on a day-to-day basis. I want to end this episode on a high note, 
because I do think the decisions made by the Supreme Court, while very frustrating and very scary, present an opportunity for us all to learn about the issue, learn about organizations and groups that we can support, and learn about how each of us can get involved and make a change for the future. The first step to activism, advocacy, and making any sort of change is always educating yourself. So, I think, especially in this moment in history, we can all pay extra attention to Arna's words of wisdom, because change comes when you treat everything as a learning experience. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can connect with Arna on Instagram at aa.rnaa to get connected with her, and you can find her podcast on Instagram as well at dirtytalk.pod. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then... Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.